The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face. To helping you understand the issues going on in the world. To clear and understandable Bible teaching. All peppered with great Christian music. The latest news. And even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. We're going to talk about Easter. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about inviting people along to church on Good Friday or for Resurrection Day. You might like to be part of our conversation. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our guest through this coming hour is the Reverend David Baker. He's moderator of the Uniting Church in Queensland and has been for the past couple of years since 2014, the son of a Methodist patrol minister. And uh, David worked as a valuer in rural and regional Queensland before pursuing a Christian ministry role. He's joining us today. A special welcome to you, David. Thank you, Alan. Neil. Thank you, Neil. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Easter is upon us, and this is an important and busy time, so I would just acknowledge thanks Mm -hmm. for giving up this important time because uh, in your role, when you're the moderator of uh, the church in Queensland, uh, you're probably in demand, but uh, certainly appreciate you taking time to come and talk to us today. Thanks, Neil. Pleasure uh, to be here. Let's talk about some of the foundations. Uh, Easter for you, uh, Easter for your tradition there in the Uniting Church. Uh, how does it look and how does it feel? Uh, I have to say, for me, it's the highlight of the year. Um, I was a congregational ministry minister for about 20 years. And uh, just the sense of this season being the place where we can really set aside and focus on the, on the core message of Christianity. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I think a lot of ministers go, uh, uh, for, for them, Christmas is something, uh, almost that has to be endured, uh, because of the commercialization around it. But I think at Easter, we still have the opportunity to really enter into the story for us, for our communities, but also to, uh, to be able to articulate it into the life of our wider community. So for me, uh, particularly Holy Week, um, you were talking about, uh, Maundy Thursday before, uh, for me, it starts tonight and uh, a service we have uh, at our local church. Uh, but just the journey and the sense of being able to take some time away uh, to be quieter, to re- to to reflect more, uh, and to, and to, to share in the joy of Easter Day. Uh, for me, it's a really special time. Let me ask you about the concept of the the Christmas and Easter Christian, uh, the oh, Christian yeah. who says, "Well, uh, yeah, of course I'm a Christian. I'm aligned with whatever denomination." Uh, yours is the Uniting Church, but it uh, could be all sorts of different denominations. But you know, I turn up at church at Easter time, I turn up at church at Christmas, and that's enough for me uh, spiritually. And of course, uh, for those who are perhaps a little more deeper and committed in their Christianity, that's we know that's not enough. But what are your thoughts for people who actually do the the twice a year type of visit? Uh, well, they're always welcome. 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> never look a gift, a gift horse in the mouth, you know. Uh, I think it is a point of contact uh, and it is a point to engage uh, and to quicken, uh, to stimulate, to stir and to ask the questions around, well, what's brought you here even at this frequency and how do we engage at that point? It's a bit like, you know, traditionally the mainstream churches uh, have uh, do infant baptisms. And, of course, that's dropped off a heck of a lot. Uh, and some people say, well, we should stop doing it because it's not a real baptism. But something's quickened these people to make a decision to say they want to contact a church and they want, to, they want something to happen for the, uh, in their life. So I, for me, it's the point of contact from which we grow something. Uh, and that's what we should be doing, investing in that point going from there. And so Easter is the biggest point of contact in the whole year. Yeah. And uh, yes, there are people who go at Christmas time, but Easter time, when we're remembering the crucifixion, when we're remembering the resurrection, these central issues, these central elements of our entire faith, this is a time when people do go to church and we need to perhaps embrace people when they walk through the door. Absolutely, yeah. Don't guilt trip them. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I think right. it, it really is about, uh, it, yeah, it is about meeting people at that point. And I, I'm a big, uh, while I'm a great talker and I'm an influencer uh, in terms of personality type, I, I do think the best thing we can do is in response to that visit to us, uh, visit them. So visit them by being a good listener. Visit them by exploring with them what's happening for them in their lives that prompted this uh, and just taking the journey with them and winning the right to actually speak about our faith by listening. And I guess if you are a member of a local church and uh, people not just uh, because you're in the state of Queensland but uh, people all around Australia, uh, when they're a member of a local church, they're going along to Easter services, this is a time to keep an eye out for new people to actually make sure that they are specifically uh, embraced and welcomed in a special way. Yep. Um, I think one of the things, this is a bit naughty maybe, but uh, maybe for us, because uh, I'm a congregational member, I'm not a member, I'm not a, I don't have a congregation. So I, when I go to church every Sunday, <laughs> if I'm not deputising somewhere, I go to my local church and I sit in the pew. Uh, and it's a wonderful church. Uh, it's been fantastic for us in our life. Uh, but I guess I'd, like to think uh, for people who are regular members who, who attend worship every Sunday, maybe they should be having a conversation with their minister and saying, uh, let's talk about what worship would be like uh, for me to really want to bring someone to it. Uh, now, I know I'm probably going to upset every minister in the country by saying that, uh, but I think this, this kind of se- worship's an interesting space. It's the space where humans gather to recognize God as creator, redeemer, sustainer. Uh, but it is also an evangelical space. It's a space to proclaim. Uh, and one of, for me, when I was a congregational minister, one of the questions I had in my head was, uh, what happens in worship that I'm responsible for? How do I make that something that one of my members says, I need to bring a friend to this? How do I, you know, what happens in my responsibility of the, the, the music, the sermon, all that stuff? that says, I think I need to bring a friend to this. And it's an interesting uh, challenge for Easter, isn't it? Because you might have a lot of ministers who are thinking, well, all those people that turn up just for Easter, 
they're coming to see something traditional. They're coming to be reminded of what they've always done mm-hmm. when they've turned up at their once or twice a year church service. Uh, how do I then, uh, you know, bring in the new elements, that element yep. of community, that yep. element of embrace, which might be more than what they're expecting? Yep. Uh, I think it is a real challenge. Uh, and uh, and, and I, I have to say, I see a lot of ministers really working hard on this, uh, really seeking to see this space as a space where people can see and understand and encounter uh, the story, but also the live story. That is the community of faith gathered present. And for them, uh, for people who are coming um, for this one-off time of year, to be able to say, to, to experience well, this is a community I could belong to because it is actually the body of Christ. It is actually God present amongst us uh, in this community. And I and I have to say, um, I, I think it's I think it's more and more as we're true to ourselves, true to our faith, uh, and and in some senses rest in the confidence of the gospel. That is, God's spirit's alive at work in the world. Uh, we don't have to create and make an experience. Uh, I think we have to be simply true to who we're called to be, and let the Spirit do its work. Uh, have a sense of confidence that God is able to actually use even us to speak to God's, to speak to people and to bring them to faith. You're saying there's an authenticity that we all need to have personally, but the church needs to have corporately. Yeah, an I authenticity think so. yeah. uh, which doesn't actually try to, uh, you know, uh, try, try to adjust itself to to perhaps a, a lukewarm world. Well, yeah, and even try to get into any kind of marketing kind of headspace, you know. I mean, I think, I think, sadly, there's a degree of cynicism in Australian society, but there's also, you know, there's an Australian sense of being able to see a load of bull a fair way off. Uh, and, and there's a sense in which Australians, our egalitarian society, we, we want to engage with people who are not false, who are who they, who they are. And, uh, and I think... Even in the churches, you know, where, where our, our lack of perfection, our sinfulness, um, I think I think there is a yearning for authenticity. I think that word, the word you've used, is a really good word. I think there is that yearning in the Australian soul because there's not a lot in the public space, is there, of authenticity. That's right. And it's going to lead us into some great conversation ahead that listeners can participate in. Uh, you can call us on 1-800-316-316 because uh, if you are an authentic Christian, uh, the invitation you make carries so much more weight. Mm. Uh, if you're coming from a position of uh, being very flaky, uh, the invitation will be seen through. As you say, people can recognize uh, from a distance. Yeah. Uh, but when authenticity is behind the in- invitation, what a powerful thing that is. Absolutely. And I, I mean... I, I have to say that's where I go back to um, our life as Christians, uh, our, our witness, our engagement with uh, within our community. Uh, if it's a if it's an engagement of service, that is of treating people with respect and listening to their story and honouring them in their story, then I think we're in the right to speak and we will be heard as we listen. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. You might have something to say about Easter or the idea of an invitation to a church service this weekend. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Audrey in WA. Hello, Audrey. Welcome along to 2020. 
Good morning. Is it morning over there? Uh, it's still morning in <laughs> Queensland, yeah. and uh, it's still morning. Yep, still morning okay, everywhere. Well, actually, good morning. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, it's actually is especially in morning. Yes. Um, what I wanted to really speak about was I've, I've been um, with the Lord for well, I don't want to give secrets away, but I'm 67, and I've known the Lord since I was eight. Wow. So it's a long time, but I, you know, I've had uh, recently, in the last seven years, I've gone deeper into the roots of the uh, the whole story of Easter. And uh, not that I can go on the internet, but I, I watch a lot of DVDs that others get for me. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it seems to me that the bishop from England could have a valid point but my point is what I've just been hearing is the point of contact is we know that it, that Jesus was crucified. The dates and the times and and that, that, I mean, if they're not exact, we celebrate the Queen's birthday on a different day too. So, you know, I just like my, my family to know that I really believe that there was the Passover celebrated by our Lord, who then became the Passover lamb for us, died for us. And, you know, I believe that was on a certain day, and it's not the day that everyone else believes. But that's because I've gone into it. I believe that he died on the Wednesday night, and then there was Thursday, Friday, and then the Sabbath and then he rose again on the Sunday morning. I think it could and be an interesting debate to get into all of those very, very intricate details. Yeah. And you can become, uh, you, you know, you can get absorbed in the idea of having a forensic way of looking at all of those things. But Absolutely. I think you've made a good point, Audrey, when you say it probably doesn't matter about dates so much as much as it does the meaning. And uh, when we talk about, uh, let, let's get some thoughts from our from our guest, David Baker. Uh, thoughts on what Audrey's sharing? Yeah, and particularly also, could you bring in the fact that of uh, Constantine, so people can look it up for themselves, that Constantine actually changed times and dates and things like that. We were looking at some of those dates and things for Easter yesterday, I think yeah. it was uh, on twenty twenty. But but it, let's some thoughts uh, from David Baker. Well, I. Um, I think there is, uh, there's even some ambivalence, I think, in the scriptures around exactly days and, and times. Uh, but I, I do think we do need to just hold to what we are doing at Easter uh, and recognising that we're 2,000 years later and that many traditions have popped up and gone away and we are, we are in a space of not knowing exactly dates and times. But we do have a faithful witness. We have a witness of eyewitnesses who participated in that uh, who saw the resurrection, who who were the ones who failed and ran away, uh, but who then went on to live and to die for what they saw and heard at Easter. And uh, I think that's the thing uh, that we really want to hang our hats on uh, uh, at Easter rather than trying to work out what, what, what time of the night it was and what time of the day it was. I think that's the witness that we're holding to. Audrey, thank you so much for your call. Audrey from WA. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Interested in your thoughts on inviting someone who you pray for to go along to church with you on a Good Friday or on an Easter Sunday. 
I think uh, some of the things Audrey was referring to uh, came to an idea that there is a debate going on at the moment about how you could fix the date for Easter each year and uh, the challenges that that would bring. And there are people at the highest levels of church leadership in denominations around the world who are conferring on that, uh, but there's still all sorts of things that people would say uh, that's just a very, very difficult thing to do because mm-hmm. you've got uh, you've got the uh, Catholic Church uh, or the Western Church, and uh, there's a different date for Easter yep. for the Eastern Church. Yep. Uh, there's the alignments there with uh, the Jewish Passover, and all of those sorts of things. You know, trying to change everybody's tradition because you think it's a good thing to actually yep. nail down the date and put it at a particular time, and everybody has that on the same date, it might be a nice ideal, but I don't know that it's going to be easy to work that in practice. Yeah, I, I'm a bit sceptical of it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think uh, I think it's a wonderful variation in the year. You never quite know what's going to happen, and you have to think it through, and I think it maybe messes with that uh, that standardization culture, in uh, particularly in the West, that says we've got to have everything kind of right. Um, and Easter's this wonderful little wild card that turns up every year, a different date. Well, a different date for our calendar. I think it's based on the third, is it the Friday after the third full moon in the year? I think it's something like that. I'm not 100% certain, but I, I, I think let the wild card keep happening. And I think we should say let's try not to make this the whole focus of our conversation this hour because there's some deeper yep. things that are really, really important to talk about. Let's hear another uh, listener. Uh, Graham is in Tasmania. Hi, Graham. Welcome along. Hello. Look, uh, as I say, that the world is totally deceived. Now, I read this morning in uh, Isaiah chapter 1, just for a start, it tells you the corruption in the world. Not only that, but <clears throat> Malachi tells us about the priesthood in chapter 2, about the laying of the two hearts, his word, and preaching the truth. And uh, so the ministries, and that's of today. Malachi is a big book. It actually gives us one end of the Bible to the other end, about Christ's coming and about Christ's coming in great power. We, this world is really deceived. The Bible itself, study it, really study it. Now, uh, the thing is that the middle of the week is Thursday, so the Christ was cut off in the middle of the week, cut off in the middle of the week. And, you know, the other thing, uh, the Ten Commandments, it says, you'll have no other gods before me. Tell me who is Esther or Easter. Who is that? What was that? That was another pagan god. God says, have no other gods before me. You know, there's uh, some good points you're making there, Graham, and uh, some, again, we've got this sort of forensic look at dates, times, and meanings. Uh, there is a sense, isn't there, and I sometimes reflect on this, the idea that even where there was a pagan celebration and uh, called Easter, uh, that it has been absorbed into an understanding of how Christians can use what was a pagan celebration and turn it round to bring glory to God, the crucifixion and the resurrection, perhaps that has a real strength to it. But, Graham, some good thoughts. I just uh, One of the things I'd like to pick up on what you're saying, Graham, and I'll ask uh, David Baker his thoughts, uh, when you say this whole world is corrupt. And when we come to Easter time, we are reminded uh, not only of the crucifixion, that our salvation was 
uh, born on that day when Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, uh, and then Resurrection Day. But we're also reminded in all of that that humanity has been corrupted by sin. And uh, some thoughts from David Baker on on just the, the depth that you can now begin to understand once you get below just this sort of surface storytelling at Easter time. Well, uh, it doesn't take me long uh, after I've woken up to realise that I'm uh, still a child of, of sin. Uh, and, I, and I think uh, the journey of uh, my life, and I think uh, it, it's not a long journey of uh, inward reflection uh, for all of us to realise that there is something yet to be restored, yet to be reconciled, uh, yet to be made whole in our lives. Uh, and uh, and that, that the Bible calls sin. Uh, that sense of uh, falling short of the glory of God, the glory of uh, how and why we were created, uh, that that tendency towards looking to self, uh, looking to guarantee our own security, looking to get what we want first. That is our will. Uh, and uh, I have no qualms about saying um, that's true about me, uh, that's true about us as humans, and so it's true about our life, that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And the glory of God is seen in Jesus Christ. The glory of God in his readiness to uh, let let God be Lord in his life. Um, he's, and, and I think for me, in terms of prayer, the thing that profoundly challenges me about his life uh, his, is his radical openness to the Father, the willingness to spend nights in prayer, the willingness to uh, to reflect on his life and what he's doing and ask himself the question, uh, what is your will for me? Uh, and the willingness then to take up the way of the cross, to take that journey uh, for me and for all of us, for the whole of creation. So I think that idea is is absolutely core to Christianity. It is absolutely core. And it's the thing is, of course, it's absolutely true to the lived experience of being human. Uh, and for me, the joy and the wonder and the hope of Easter is that God has uh, expressed his solidarity with us. God has stood with us in this God-forsakenness uh, and has said there is really nowhere uh, where we can go in our lives that God is not present, that God will not be present with us and uh, and reach out the hand to call us, uh, to call us into a deeper, a richer and a fuller life. And for me, that's, that's Easter. And I think about people uh, in my circle, uh, people I'm uh, thinking about inviting along uh, to Easter services this weekend and it's that message. Uh, it is that message that says to them, uh, there is restoration. There is reconciliation. Uh, there is a life that can be lived in hope. Uh, that That is uh, the thing that's saying to me, well, who among my network, uh, who's on my heart, that God's put on my heart to say, come and hear this story this weekend? This is 2020 with Neil Johnson helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our guest is the Reverend David Baker. He's Queensland moderator of the Uniting Church. And David, uh, let's just briefly, because we're in the lead up to the news, just touch on this idea of invitation to church uh, for uh, Easter uh, celebrations. Uh, Interesting, we'll talk about Good Friday, not necessarily a celebration, but but let's uh, talk about how you invite people. Yeah. You've got some resources on your yeah, website. Absolutely. Uh, ucaqld.com.au uh, slash Easter 2016 has some, has some ideas and some thoughts for people who maybe want to do it but don't quite know how. 
uh, and some encouragement around uh, some uh, some ways they can approach that with friends to actually uh, to break the ice and to step out of uh, that comfort zone and say, hey, why don't you come along? There's also some stuff on our Facebook page uh, around uh, around that theme too. So I'd encourage people who want to who who are thinking about how do I do this that uh, there's some resources there for them to have a have a look at. And sometimes you just need that little prod. Uh, you need uh, yep. the nudge that says, you know what, I should invite my neighbour or my workmate along to church. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and uh, I, think, um, I think we do just need to get over that sense that church is something we keep private in our lives. Uh, it's, it's called public worship. And it's meant to be something that uh, that people can feel they can come to and get something out of and uh, and encounter with. You know, one of the uh, there's a research in America that said we might have to come back yep. onto the research after the news. We're continuing this conversation, and you might like to join in this conversation. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. The Reverend David Baker is our guest. We're talking about Easter and inviting someone that you know to your local church. Well, our special guest this hour is the. Reverend David Baker, he's the Queensland moderator of the Uniting Church. They're running a campaign at the moment called Easter and Invitation. David Baker, as we talk about Easter and the invitation, uh, this idea of inviting people, it's not something that really should be unusual for us. No, it shouldn't be, should it? Um, My sense is sometimes uh, Christian communities get kind of comfy and cosy and uh, like to be amongst themselves. It's the nature of human community. Uh, and yet uh, the tradition of the Christian church, I think, is always uh, the Spirit uh, calls us to be a community that keeps a door open, uh, that keeps an empty seat, that keeps a sense of saying we are not yet complete and we can't just go settle down and go cosy. Uh, and uh, it was interesting, uh, as I was saying just before the break, there was some American research that asked people why they don't go to church. And uh, the dominant response was, well, they don't go because no one asked them. And you might think, wow. Um, they don't have a, a theological problem. They don't have a this or a that. It's the sense that uh, the church actually hasn't actually said, hey, do you want to come and check us out? Now, let's just stop for a moment because what you've said is actually quite profound and it might be a challenge to the way that many people listening to our conversation might actually think about whether they invite a friend along. What you're saying is the research shows that if someone gets an invitation the likelihood is that they will say yes, and the reason why they haven't gone before is because nobody asked. The, the reason they give is that no one's asked them. And, uh, and I, I think, it, I mean, it is fascinating to think that uh, that, that could be the dominant response. Uh, I think my theme is, uh, is that we, 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 it's important to be a friend like Jesus. That is, a friend who offers a non-judgmental, loving presence that people see uh, that that we as Christians are in solidarity with them. I think those dynamics form the basis for an invitation that's got integrity, uh, authenticity, uh, and an invitation that will actually see that people are being invited into something that could make their lives more fuller and more richer and more deeper. Uh, and uh, so, I, so my deep encouragement is that we be good friends as the first starting point. Uh, for our life and mission, which is 
the way Jesus lived his life anyway. And, you know, we call it good news, don't we, when we talk about the gospel message, and it truly is good news. There might be some cultural things that that are uh, agitating to try and say that somehow or other uh, it's not good news or uh, the church yep. is uh, doing bad things. But, of course, that's not the case. No. The church has continued with a good news message, and it truly is good news for every person who comes. Absolutely. Uh, Quick story, uh, my wife invited a friend of ours uh, to come to church once. This was years ago, uh, and but it stays in my mind because this lady was oh, 20 or 30 years older than us at the time, a single woman from uh, who dropped out of church from a long time ago because of a sense of being judged. Uh, and uh, so my, we were in a really kind of Pentecostal, charismatic-style uh, uniting church at the time, and uh, and I said to my wife, do you think this lady really will want to come? We're a bit wacko at the moment, you know. This is this is hanging <laughs> off the ceilings type stuff, you know. And uh, anyway, this lady came who had no experience of that style of worship or that uh, that kind of Christian community at all, and she came and she staged because she said, "I felt love there." And uh, and and she staged, became a part of the morning congregation, was a bit more sedate, uh, but but it really it was a real lesson to me that um, the the modes and the idioms don't really matter. Uh, people, uh, people, if they are in an environment where they can see that uh, love is being proclaimed and lived, uh, people respond to that. That's something that people want to know and touch. 1-800-316-316 to be part of this conversation. Our special guest is the Reverend David Baker, Queensland moderator for the Uniting Church. Let's take a call from Ian in Cairns. Hello, Ian. Welcome along. Ian, are you with us? We've lost Ian. Ian, you might like to call us back, 1-800-316-316 to join into our conversation. Let me ask you about your prayer wall, David, because uh, while I've been saying in the lead up to this conversation, a lot of us have a prayer list uh, we put on there, particular needs, uh, people we love, uh, friends that we'd like to see come to know Jesus Christ the way that we do. You have taken that a step further. Tell us about your prayer wall. Well, I wouldn't say it's a step further. It's a, it's it's probably to do with uh, one. I'm not a very good prayer. Um, I I'm a highly active person, and I get up in the morning and I know what I want to do, and I get on and do it. Uh, and uh, I've I've had any number of uh, things in my life that I've sought to actually slow me down, to stop, uh, to pray, to reflect. And being a visual person, uh, when I got into the job of moderator, I was very conscious uh, of the fact that. Uh, the job is to have a sense of spiritual oversight of the life of the Uniting Church and, in a sense, the state and what's going on in the life of the, uh, the state of Queensland. So um, I got all these photos of people who are in the life of the church that I, I'm called to have oversight over, uh, but also political leaders, other leaders of Christian denominations, uh, uh, and I basically put them in um, in circles on, my, on the wall in my office, so that at times in the day I sit and I just uh, I have a visual uh, connection, so I can pray for these people uh, with that visual reminder, uh, and to stop and to lift them to God, uh, and to pray that their life might be uh, lived lived in God's will and God's strength and power. So that's what started off the prayer wall, and uh, uh, so it's it's there in my office, and uh, of course some people. Uh, you know, uh, government's changed, so Mr. Newman's gone, and uh, Mrs. Palaszczuk's, uh, Miss Palaszczuk's up there. But so is uh, Lawrence Springborg, um, and uh, so it's really just an attempt to remind me, uh, as someone who's a fairly activist in his life, uh, to sit, to stop, to remember, to pray. 
And when it comes to those Christian leaders, uh, because we've been talking about the fact that you're a uniting church leader, uh, you've also got the leaders of other denominations on there. And yes. for some people, that's a little bit, that's a bit strange. Why is the Uniting Church guy praying for the Anglicans and for the Pentecostals and for the Evangelicals? And, yes, yeah. You know? uh, because, uh, well, one, I mean, the core of the Uniting Church is a belief uh, from the, the, the churches that came in uh, that God was calling us to express uh, the unity of the church in, in in a more concrete, tangible way. So we, I was a Methodist. The Presbyterians also, and the, and the Congregationalists came into union because we believed that's what God was calling us to do, uh, to be a better witness uh, to the gospel. Uh, and uh, you know, we, the heads of churches meet every couple of months in Brisbane, um, and the Wesleyan Methodists are there. Uh, we're all there, and uh, uh, and I, I, it is a wonderful sense of fellowship. Uh, but for me, it's a I, I, and I've been a part of the formal ecumenical movement, and my sense is that it is time to uh, quicken the fire at the grassroots, uh, to re-establish our love for one another uh, in our in our Christian communities, and and to let that be expressed in really concrete ways. So that's why we've initiated the One in Christ Prayer Program. We'll talk some more. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Juliana in Bean Lee in Queensland. Hello, Juliana. Welcome along. Oh, good morning. Uh, good morning. Yes, look, I'm, I'm just not quite sure where we're at. I was listening to you this morning and I was heard a gentleman talking about how, they, how Constantinople um, changed a few dates and then they brought in things and they sort of, yeah, we were we were talking about all sorts of ways that people uh, forensically look at how we come up with the dates for Easter. Yeah, uh, is that yeah. what you're talking about? Well, it's a little bit about the dates, not so much. Well, the dates, not so much the dates, but it's like when Constantinople changed a few things, then they put things into perspective of covering and putting. Masking things okay. and under the foundation, I just wanted to sort of point out that then there's mixture and see the Lord's calling for a pure bride. Now, okay. if that hits the mark somewhere with people, people might understand what I'm saying. But the Lord is wanting us to come out of mixture. He wants us to come into the pure worship and not have the mixture of what has been in the past. I wonder if that's an aspiration for what we all ought to hold as Christian believers, uh, that while we recognise that sometimes we get things wrong and we don't always have that perfect sort of worship, that there is an aspiration to what might look that way. Some thoughts mm. uh, from uh, from David Baker. Your thoughts it, on what uh, Juliana is sharing? Well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, I think our journey of life as a human and as a Christian community is to be forever discerning uh, what is, what about us is of the gospel and what about us is of a culture or a tradition or a purpose. And those things have their place, but if they take over, then we're ceasing to be uh, people of uh, people of the spirit, people true to to uh, to God's calling. And I think that the, our, our, you know, we're, we're in the West, we're in Western culture. We've adopted uh, Western categories of philosophy and understanding uh, and we, in some sense, we have to use those to communicate with others in in a meaningful way. But our sense ha- also always has to come back to who is Jesus, 
what what is his ministry uh, in us and for us today, and how are we faithful to that? And that's a, that's a the the gospel is something that critiques every culture, every time, and every place. Uh, and uh, that's a journey that we're always on, that journey of discernment. Thank you so much to Juliana from Ben Lee in Queensland. And, you know, as I reflect on these sorts of things, uh, when I think of the very fact that we have public holidays for Christmas, for Good Friday, and for Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, these things are anchored into our Australian heritage. And so while we might debate about some things, uh, perhaps we need to be celebratory mm. of the fact that our nation recognises these in, these events that tie us to that biblical yep. understanding. We are actually anchored into uh, this Christianity in Australia, and that's one thing I think sometimes people miss when they when yep. they don't pay attention to the value of having a holy day like a Good Friday tomorrow. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that we, um, as a culture, as a society, we are still recognising these days, and uh, uh, I, I'm very thankful. Uh, I know in many places of the world, uh, Good Friday is a working day, uh, and uh, for people, that's just what they do, and I I am very grateful that we live in a in a in a in a, in a nation that says no. Let's set let's set these days aside. Let them be for us something for the nation. We're taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Robin in Mount Morgan. Hi, Robin. Yes. Hi. <coughs> what are your thoughts? Um, yes, I'd like to um, tie a few things together. Um, um, a few comments that David made in that last caller, and yes, there's a lot of um, things that are wrong about Easter and Christmas that are you know obviously pagan ideas and whatever but i think the main thing and david's touched on this is the love you know we christians need to know jesus intimately and he irons out all of those um in you know whatever all the things that are wrong and whatever so if we're motivated by love and we um see people that way and 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 know jesus then we're going to it doesn't matter about the details, and and Easter and Christmas can be a point of contact. That's all it is, really. It's um, j- just for us to be able to share our faith, or um, you know, to invite people to Jesus and and whatever. I mean, in Germany, I had um, God actually. I had an encounter with a pastor on the train. He was from a different, you know, like something like Anglican, but it was. Um, a little bit different, but anyway. And um, another time when I was, I think it might have been the same time in Germany, I really desperately wanted to go to church and I just, you know, believed God would lead me to one. And um, so I went to the train station and the lady there, I just asked her for help on the ticket machine and um, just started talking with her and she was going to a church and it happened to be that same church of that pastor. So um, I went along there. I mean, I didn't understand a lot. I understood some of it, but... Um, but you know, I just I just knew from that I knew I knew there was something special about that man I met on the train. So interfaith, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, a lot of things that they might believe that are wrong, they might have different doctrines or whatever. They may not be correct, but that's not the point. The point is when you get to know jo- um, Jesus intimately, then you love people as He does, and you you find points of contact. You find points of um, Common ground. Some good mm. thoughts there, Robin. Your mm. uh, your response, David Baker. Oh, absolutely. I, uh, Mount Morgan. I remember Mount Morgan when I was a kid. There was a gold mine there. Um, I remember visiting it. But I, I, 
we, we need to be very careful about thinking we're going to get something right by getting a right date or a right time or a right this or a right that. Um, I, I think we need to be careful about uh, how are we loving our neighbour as we love ourselves. Uh, how are we seeing in our neighbour uh, the presence of Jesus? Uh, how are we uh, transcending our own um, fears about security or about uh, comfort uh, to welcome someone who's different? And uh, and to be uh, to be the presence of Christ uh, for them, and to uh, uh, to stand in solidarity with them um, in their sense of isolation or suffering. So I, th- this is the thing that I think we need to be worried about uh, in our journey of Christian faith, uh, the journey of going beyond ourselves and entering into more deeply and more fully uh, the way of Jesus. I think we need the academics to go through all of the forensic details and work that out for us. And we need to, I guess, in some sense, have some level of trust that uh, academics are putting in the, you know, the legwork to get it all right. Uh, but the very fact that we've got these opportunities, as Robin is sharing, connecting points yep. that now enable us to be able to yep. uh, embrace people with the love of Christ, yep. uh, that gives us the opportunity. Thank you so much to Robin from Mount Morgan. Let's take a call from Daniel in WA. Hi, Daniel. Hello. Um, I'm just calling about if the, because the Anglican Church has these articles called the 39 Articles of Religion, and the Methodist Church also shares some of what's in the 39 Articles of Religion, and I'm thinking these articles or creeds that these churches have may affect people's interpretation of the Bible and things like that. And there's an article in one of the 39 Articles of the Anglican Church that says, it is not necessary that traditions and ceremonies be in all places one and utterly alike and may be changed or says they have been divers and may be changed according to the diversities of countries, times and men's manners. Now, I'm wondering if that has an effect on what the changes to Easter, what we're talking about, because the Methodist Church also use, I think, use that doctrine as well. I think think that is probably a reference back to... um Anglican, the, the Church of England's separation from Catholicism because Catholicism at that time said there had to be one style of worship everywhere in Catholicism, whereas the Anglican tradition was developing into a more diverse expression of worship. So I, I think that's a, the 39 articles are uh, written in a time and a place and addressing some of the, con, some of the issues of that time and place. Uh, uh, so I think we need to be careful about how we then we interpret it into today's context. Daniel from WA, thank you very much for your thoughts today on 2020. And of course, uh, those important elements that have come about through church history, where there's been great ecumenical councils Mm. uh, through early centuries of the church and developed right through to the 39 articles. And uh, as Daniel draws attention to uh, Methodism, which came out of uh, the Anglican yep. uh, Church, yep. and uh, under the great John Wesley, who would be one of your heroes, undoubtedly, oh, David absolutely. Baker. You wouldn't be able to say anything else, but but certainly uh, these guys, uh, they had, and like John Wesley, had such a uh, an inspiring way of bringing people to understand the love of God, and more than that, that there was a way that people should live their lives in order to actually be an influence on their society. Uh, Wesley had this wonderful combination, I think, of uh, calling um, calling disciples to a discipline. You know, the class meeting, 
uh, the daily prayer, the, the, the attending to the disciplines of being uh, a Christian in the whole of life. Uh, so he had that sense of a rigorous discipline about oneself, but he also had a hospitality of spirit. You know, if your heart is with me, then we can work together. That was one of the things Wesley uh, Wesley would say. So, uh, I, and I think it is, um, you know, it's reflective of Jesus who calls us to a, a, a deep and profound discipleship, uh, but also a grand and a wide hospitality uh, so that we don't fall into self-righteousness, so that we don't fall into thinking it's all about ourselves, so that we do continue to see our neighbour as one with us. Uh, and, I, and I think it's, it's holding those two things in, uh, in our life that is a real art of uh, being a Christian disciple. Well, David, time running out. Uh, we've been talking about Easter. We've been talking about Good Friday and uh, Resurrection Day. The idea, we talked about your prayer wall, and a lot of people have a list. Or even if they don't have a list, they have people on their hearts, whether mm. they're family members who are separated from God, uh, they're not members of local churches, they're workmates who are you know, sometimes they're just completely gone astray in sometimes the most corrupt ways. But sometimes people, even though they may be separated, they may have gone their own way, they are open to an invitation. Uh, just encourage us uh, as we cont- as we end our conversation today, uh, this program that you've got running, this Easter and invitation, uh, you don't want people to just gloss over that because today's the day, time's run out. Absolutely, we're nearly uh, today's there. Today's the day for the invitation, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so get on the website, the Uniting Church website, ucaqld.com.au and have a look at some of the ways in which you can, um, you can tackle this. Uh, if your heart's in it, have a go. Uh, and uh, I just encourage you to uh, to share to share a sense of solidarity and compassion with others. That will win you the right to speak uh, about your hope, about your love. Uh, but but have a crack at saying to someone, "Do you want to come to church this Sunday? Let we'll go and have a coffee afterwards. We'll debrief it. We'll talk what it was like, what you thought was weird, what you thought was fun. Um, uh, you know, just a sense of uh, maybe." Um, tickling their curiosity and their sense of uh, never been or might go and have a look. I think there's an opportunity for us. And I guess uh, the idea that uh, somehow or other people will be hung up on on some of the intricate details of what's right and what's wrong isn't going to be the thing that will stop them coming because that actually may, if they did get into that sort of thing, that may be a reason why they might come. But, but people are not necessarily talking about those things. What no. they are wanting to see is that what we talked about earlier, that authenticity, and they want to see whether this is something with, they'd be comfortable with, whether they'd feel loved if they're in that family yeah. expression. Well, I, I, I've just reminded uh, one of the guys at Graceful Uniting Church invited his neighbours along, and they'd been, they were refugees from uh, a Middle Eastern country, and, uh, and they came. And uh, I was talking to uh, one of these uh, uh, young person, uh, and I said, well, what did you think of this? I mean, this is, this is very different. And uh, this person just said to me, I've never experienced such joy. And, and I think we need to you know, not forget that joy, the Christian worship is a gathering that some people, uh, may, that, that sense of joy and happiness about being loved and being in community together is not a universal experience of everyone every day of their lives. Well, it's your opportunity today to do something important uh, that might be life-changing, not only for yourself in making an invitation, but for the person you invite. 
a life-changing opportunity to invite them to an Easter service this weekend. Uh, The Reverend David Baker, the Queensland moderator of the Uniting Church. David, just great to have your insights today and uh, what a wonderful time to actually have you in as a guest and I'm sure we'll get another opportunity another day. That'll be wonderful. Uh, We'll choose a different type of a topic, but uh, your insights are really, really useful and uh, very insightful. Just uh, great. uh, Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Lovely to be with you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.